Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to share our podcast has been nominated in Boise Weekly's annual Best of Boise contest. And while it's an honor to be nominated, I have to admit it would be even more fun to win. If we've helped you connect to the city you love, go to the link in the show notes to vote for us by May 23rd. Thanks, Boise. Today on CityCast Boise, it's finally Friday, and I've got our Hey Boise newsletter editor, Blake Hunter, with me today to talk about back-to-school bumps and blues, Snake River dams, and youth climate change frustration, plus your weekend hurricane forecast. It's Friday, August 18th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Hey, Emma. How are you? Did you make it through the week all right? I did. Yeah, I think we made it. And I know you're you're <laughs> busy. You're going through some stuff right now. Talk to me. It's it's back to school week. How's it going? Well, it's been a little bumpy, uh, a little emotional. I mean, all good, all good things. My youngest kid just started high school yesterday, which feels so strange to have. Yeah. You know, I was looking through. I've taken a picture every first day of school of him and it was mm. so like I have one his one from kindergarten uh you can see it on Instagram he's wearing two hats a tie and a scarf a suit jacket <laughs> and he's brought a sweater just in case even though it Good. is August so Good. that was kindergarten and yesterday he looked so cute when we dropped him off on his first day at high school but it felt so strange but then even stranger is that my middle kid is moving into the dorms today. Yeah. So listeners, if you if I get emotional 15 times during this recording, you know why. Um, it's my first kid to move out of the house. My oldest is going to BSU, but still living with us uh, probably for a little bit. And uh, yeah, Blake, I know <laughs> this... I, I know you it's moved into lot. the dorms. Did your parents just weep and weep and weep? And like, I want to just die. It's I so know. hard. Yeah, I was. So I'm the third of three kids. Um, and so I remember when like my oldest sibling went uh, and moved into the dorms. I was just a mess. Um, I think like by by the time I came around, we were kind of used to the routine. I was like ready to go. But um, I don't know why. I, I think like the moving to college is such like a built up thing that um, actually like, I feel like your youngest moving into high school now to me is the one that like kind of stands out to me. That's just like, wow, that's such a benchmark for you as like a parent yeah. of like the season of, of, of your life and of their lives. So yeah, it's exciting. I hope that it's, yeah, <laughs> I hope that it's amazing and to everyone out there, but especially you, Emma, like I hope the transition process is as smooth as it can be and just wishing everyone ease. Yeah. And I, it's weird for me. I had my kids before everybody. So all my friends are crying right now over sending their kid to preschool or kindergarten for the first time. And I'm yeah. like, my baby's moving out of the house. Yeah. And the four of us, you know, a lot of times, most of the time in our life, it was the four of us together, me and the, mm -hmm. the three boys. And I think all of us are really feeling like the idea that one of them won't be here totally. seems 
super, super strange and foreign. So yeah, I don't know what we're going to do <laughs> with that exactly. But other than that, very good start. My son loved high school. Great. I don't know what your experience of junior high was, but he hated it. Yep. And I was like, everybody hates it. It's literally hell on earth. We all barely survived junior high. Mm -hmm. uh, but he... Well, the first day of high school was like, oh, this is way different. This is yeah. way better. So he was into it for yeah, sure. Completely different environment. And, you know, I, I talked to some parents as I was dropping him off. I was talking to a few people. Uh, lots of concerns about, you know, last year, the free lunch program, the pandemic era free lunch program ended. And I think last year, everybody was kind of getting back into the rhythm of that. But with inflation, I think everybody's yeah. a lot more stressed about not having free lunch, um, especially Idaho just kicked 55,000 Idaho like kids off of Medicaid. Yes. And so, yeah. I mean, people are feeling the pinch. I talked to a couple of parents who were just like, yeah, just everything felt so much more expensive. Like school supplies. Oh, my God. Blake, I you wouldn't know. believe how much money I dumped on school supplies this year. I can imagine. It's so easy. Like there's just so many little things that add up, especially moving someone into a dorm. Like there's yes. just so many little things that like you, no matter how much you plan ahead the day of, like you have to make some maddening trip to Target or somewhere and just be like, well, there goes $200. Um at least like it's yeah it's a nightmare yeah like i'm not i never lived in the dorms i never had that experience so i kind of wasn't really sure exactly what to get but mm -hmm. it's like a microwave a fridge i yeah. mean you're making yeah. them a tiny appliances. house big yeah. appliances yeah I was a like, mini blender yeah sheets i was kind of like sheets and pencils i don't know but like yeah, yeah mini blender a tiny rice cooker he he was like you're getting we were at target he was like you're getting a little carried away because i was like they have a mini waffle maker uh. he's like mom we're not making waffle i have <laughs> I have a, a swipe card for for the the, for the cafeteria. Yeah. We're fine. I was like, but it's so little. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. But it was so expensive. So there's some you know rough starts for people. But a little bit of good news that you actually uh, reported on in the Hey Boise newsletter. The SB 1100 trans bathroom bill was paused. Yeah. So this is kind of this is at least some good news going into the school year. So this year the legislature, the state legislature, passed uh, Senate Bill. 1100, which is a trans bathroom bill. So people are probably familiar with this from back in like the late 2010s of um, essentially barring trans students from being able to use their like correct bathrooms and locker rooms. And so this bill, there's also just like such a sinister element of it allows people to sue if, if they like think or find out that they're in a bathroom with a trans person, they can literally sue. I mean, just what a nightmare. And so there's this family, um, a group of people is suing against like to block this bill and they asked for a temporary block on it. So the actual bill went into effect on July 1st. And so a district court judge has temporarily paused that until this lawsuit is kind of settled out. So the the power of that is back to actual school districts now. Um, school districts get to make their own decisions on what policies are around this. I haven't heard of many school districts actually changing their policies from what they already had because... You know, it's not necessary. Yeah, so that's at least a little bit of good news for one less uh, harassment or bullying thing for students to worry about going back to school. Yeah, and what a stressful thing. I mean, dropping my son off yesterday, you know, he's got to find his locker. He's got to find his first class. He's got to find, figure, you know, he's there's all these kids he's never met before. Mm -hmm. And then to th if you think about a trans kid throwing, which bathroom am I allowed to use on mm -hmm. top of that just seems so completely stressful. So yeah. I, I did see a helpful guide on Instagram that uh, kind of laid it out for people like where that where that's at. Yeah. And I you, there's a couple guides floating around if you have a trans kid or you are a trans kid to, to figure out like what 
what your school district's policy is. So because they are individual, back to being individual. So that's good. I wanted to tell, like totally changing the subject, no segue here, but uh, I wanted to ask you, um, I really loved the coverage you did this week uh, on the dams. Uh, Talk us through a little bit of that because I thought that was so great. Yeah. So there have been kind of like some op-eds floating around in the last few weeks about the four lower Snake River dams. So I'll provide just like a little synopsis first for if people are new to this conversation. But essentially, you know, obviously the Snake River flows through most of Idaho and then it's our border with Oregon and it flows up north to Lewiston. And then it kind of cuts through the southeast corner of Washington and joins the Columbia. And in between leaving Lewiston and joining the Columbia, on the Washington-Oregon border, there are these four dams, and they're called the Four Lower Snake River Dams. I could probably remember the individual names, but it doesn't matter. So essentially, there's been a conversation going on for at least kind of mainstream conversation since the 1990s that for salmon and steelhead trout to um, survive really like into the future, those four Lower Snake River Dams need to be removed is kind of the argument the conservationists are making. So you know, on the Columbia River Basin and the Snake River Basin, there are, there are so many dams. But these four specifically, the effect that they're having is if, if you know, like southeast Washington, there's a it's a pretty flat area. And so when you're damming on flat land, that water backs up a really long way. And so it's basically just created this like huge hundred plus mile long, really, really slow reservoir. And so what that does is that it heats up that water and a recent lawsuit from a group of different environmental organizations that focus on rivers and waterways just recently made the argument or announced plans that they want to sue the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to remove these dams. Uh, And their argument is that specifically it's the heating of this water that is killing uh, steelhead trout and sockeye salmon and other salmon. And so, you know, the other thing that I want to talk about with this is that Emma, you and I, our families, like us, like white European colonizers, we've been here for about 200 years. For thousands and thousands and thousands of years before that, like tens of thousands of years, salmon and steelhead trout have been like the keystone species in much of this area of the world. And so these species are essentially coming to collapse because of all of many, many different factors. And so, you know, there's this huge conversation around dams because hydroelectricity is really important, especially in Idaho. Like that's one of the reasons that we have a good amount of clean-ish energy. But these fish are extremely important. Like they're not just like cool to have. There are incredible studies and also just like oral traditions, like indigenous knowledge of what salmon do for land. And essentially we're, we could be watching the last chapter of this keystone species of this land. And they're they're like definitive. I mean, you think of Redfish Lake, yes. literally named for the amount of salmon. I know. I I was going to give you, I'm, this is the most old head thing to say, Great. of course. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm going to say, I grew up around Stanley, you know, Chalice, the Samurai Valley, salmon, all that. And we went to Redfish all the time. And when I was a kid, literally red with fish. I mean, this is in the 80s, you know, pre uh, pre some of these dams. It, it's such it's sad, yeah. too, because I think when the dams were first built, it was like, oh, my gosh, this is clean energy. This is so smart. This is so great. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I was in, you know, junior high, even high school, less and less and less fish. And actually, if you go to the fish hatchery up there, which I really, if you go, are going up to Stanley, do not miss the fish hatchery because 
it has a whole history of the Lonesome Larry of the one, the year, I think it was 97, but I, 91 maybe? No, it's in the 90s, but of uh, the one salmon that came back. There was one fish. And that's, you know, like red fish. Yeah, it used to be red with fish. You could, when I was a kid, you would stand on the dock and look down and there were thousands and thousands of fish, you know, during spawning and stuff like that. So yeah, and and anecdotally, I mean- since I was a kid, less uh, wildlife in general up there, less bears, less everything that relies on the fish, like you said, yeah. um, less yeah. huckleberries, less everything, you know. So, so yeah. And I've I've been going to redfish since I was like like two, like three. Oh, I've never yeah. seen, you know, like I've never seen that. And so, maybe we're both going to cry on today's episode. Um, but just like I. I'm just so frustrated that like it feels like we are at a stalemate in this conversation. And there's a recent op-ed um, in the Idaho Capital Sun and the Idaho Statesman from like a former opinion columnist who you know said we it feels like we're in the same situation that we were um, when I got into this conversation in the '90s. And um, oh my god. I did not expect this to happen. Sorry. Um, no, don't be sorry because honestly, it's so powerful to me that you're getting emotional right now because the, one of the things in the thing that you wrote in the newsletter about this was you said, as a young Idahoan, I feel so much frustration. And my God, like it makes me choke up thinking how yeah. you're saying since you were two, you've never seen a redfish. <laughs> you've never seen a salmon in redfish. I'm not, I mean, I am, but yeah. like. <laughs> and you're not that much older than me. Just like, yeah. <laughs> Just, just, uh, just several like lifetimes, eight but, or nine uh, decades. But yeah. for real, yeah. like the idea that you, as a like you're you're my kids' age ish, and I think about how that's true of my kids too. That I've took my kids to redfish. They've never seen yeah. salmon in there. They've never seen redfish be redfish. And and like the loss of this resource, yeah. I think it's so it it can feel so disconnected from your daily life. But like watching you get emotional about it makes me feel. Like, you're right. You're yeah. so right. We should all be this emotional over the loss of this, you know, keystone yeah. in our in the eco- in our ecosystem. Yeah. And it's just, it's, you know, as we're watching the aftermath and the ongoing, um, you know, wildfires in Maui that were like, like indigenous Hawaiians have been saying like, hey, we've got to figure out this tourism industry, like low key stop coming until we can figure this out kind of thing for several years and like there's so many political crises going on and it's just this kind of what I what I wrote about is that this the salmon issue and the four lower snake river dams you know the removal of those dams is going to cause some issues and we've got to deal with those but we really need to level with one another and we need to level with the other species in our land and just be like we've got to figure this out because this land has been has like depended on salmon and steelhead and especially I mean not necessarily like right in the Treasure Valley though a little bit um, has been dependent on these species for thousands of years and we think that we can just go on without them. How long is that going to last? Like, you know, and is that's not even how we want to be living. And so I don't know, it just it's it's hard not to think about just like every single day, to be honest. And it's like I understand the frustration of like, oh, we're just no. back where we started. But it's also like, no, that is not an option. And it makes me think about there's, um, you know, recent news just came out of Montana that these youth have like sued the state for not considering carbon emissions in business decisions, essentially, that lawmakers are making. And a judge sided with them. And that feels really groundbreaking. And that's really exciting. So 
I guess if you're also just kind of feeling like, ah, we're back where we started. This is just like a political discussion. It's, I mean, it is a political discussion, but it is life and death. And so, yeah, I would urge people to look to the youth. Like youth salmon protectors here in Idaho are doing some amazing work working with indigenous nations in the area and up north. And I mean, we've got a long way to go, but we have to walk that road. It makes me think of George Prentice did uh, just did uh, an interview with the Boise Youth Climate Action Council, a couple a couple of them, and uh, a couple representatives. And one of the things that like kind of punched me in the gut was one of them said, "You know, we just keep it's like these constant headlines of record breaking heat and record breaking fires, and honestly, it's just kind of repetitive. And yeah. I think a lot of people are sort of checking out of it, or it becomes the new normal, and it doesn't mm-hmm. seem scary anymore. But um, I makes it makes me think about I just saw in the statesman I think actually you sent it to me that there were a warning that we're going to get like some residual LA is about to be hit by a <laughs> tropical storm possibly a hurricane and we're going yeah. to see sort of the after effects of that and that is definitely the first time I feel like uh the, in my yeah. memory that where I've been like oh yeah uh, a hurricane hitting the West Coast is probably going to make some noise here also. And I feel like all of this, all of the constant climate change thing, like your generation, a conversation I've had with my kids sort of repeatedly is this, your generation grew up with climate change just kind of in in the background all the time. Like, you know, I didn't become aware of that until like high school, it started being a, mm-hmm. being a conversation. Yeah. But for you, like from the time you were two, not seeing fish at Redfish, you've been also hearing climate change, climate change, and watching the adults in your life yeah. either at worst completely deny it, say that it isn't real, make fun of it, make fun of people for caring. And kind of at best, people sort of shrug their shoulders and be like, it's inevitable. So yeah, I just, I feel like yeah. you're so right to get emotional over it because it does feel so scary. But I did, my one of my big takeaways from um, the interview with the Boise Youth uh, Climate Action was they were like, you got to get involved. You got to get, you got to be a part of this. You got to, you know, join the committee, join the council yeah. or or find ways in your life that you can contribute to the, to fixing the problem, you know, instead of just throwing up your hands and, and saying, well, yeah. guess we're getting hit by a hurricane. <laughs> yeah. I know. Which, yeah, speaking of, just so everyone knows, like coming through kind of late this weekend, Sunday, yeah, Boise's going to get residuals from a tropical storm, I guess, um, which is so fun. Which we need, honestly, because it's been 104 here all week <laughs> and I want to die. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's expected to, in Southern California, it's supposed to drop like 10 inches of rain. So that's not good. That's going to be really scary. There's going to be some flooding. But we've only, I in this Idaho Statesman article, it says we've only really had a, like hurricane, remnants of hurricanes mm. or tro- tropical storms come through like three times in the past century. So yeah, everybody watch out for some of that. Um, we could get over an inch in some places. So just kind of be aware of when that's coming through. It should be on Sunday. Yeah. And they said it, that we could be part of a historic event, which I love to hear. So <laughs> great. Well, my, my second this week, probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fabulous. Well, um, Blake, thank you so much for everything. And honestly, your coverage this week in the Hey Boise newsletter, just peerless. You're doing such a good job. Thank you, Emma. I'm, I'm kind of thrilled, honestly, that you cried on this one instead of me. <laughs> You cried earlier. Yes. You cried earlier. I cried before we started, and I'm about to cry. I was recording, and I just didn't tell you. Yeah. You're, all okay, right. Thank thanks, you, Blake. Have a great rest of your weekend. You too. And here's some news to know today. Pending confirmation from city council next week, Boise will have a new person leading the Office of Police Accountability. 
In a press release, the city says Nicole McKay has leadership's endorsement to be the director of OPA. McKay worked as the chief of staff and chief deputy for former Attorney General Lawrence Wasden. She also worked in legal counsel for the State Department of Health and Welfare. The OPA has been without a permanent leader since Jesus Yara was fired last December. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The phrase, it takes a village, applies to our credits today. The show this week was produced by Frankie Barnhill, Evelyn Avitia, A.K.L. Mootman, Lizzie Goldsmith, Natalie Rivera, and me, Emma Arnold. Blake Hunter writes our Hey Boise newsletter with help this week from Natalia Aldana. And our music is by local band Up Is The Down Is The. If you enjoyed the show today, leave us a review. It helps other people find us. We'll be back Monday with more stories from around the city. Bye. Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go.